make it two in a row now for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They sweep this weekend back-to-back at a four out of four points. They take down the Columbus Blue Jackets three to two after taking down the New York Rangers one to nothing on Saturday. I have a full game recap coming up for you all right after this drop as the Penguins are now 15-3-2 and and in their last 20 games against Columbus. Think about that going into this drop. Your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to this Monday afternoon slash evening episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That is Bet Online where the game starts. So, as I teased in the opening few seconds of this episode, Penguins got that 3-2 comeback victory over the Blue Jackets. That's the second time this season that the Penguins have come back after trailing um, going into the third period. I believe the only other time, on the road at least, the only other time, I believe, was the Vegas one where they were down 3 to nothing. Um, and then, you know, they roared back. We're down, I believe, what, 3-2 going into the third, and the Penguins just um, completely took that game over in that third period. But, you know... We got to start, I think, you know, with the obvious, and that's, you know, the big goaltender interference situation. Um, you know, I clowned myself for those that, you know, follow me on social media. You know, I thought at first it was no goal. I basically said, oh, there's no chance that, you know, that this is going to stand. Um, saw the replay five seconds later. I'm glad that I got ratioed on that because uh, I just, you know, I, I, I look to be an idiot. Um, you know, there was really nothing Sidney Crosby could do in that situation. And, you know, it, it's funny that it took only two years to remind me how just awful that market is up in Columbus, because I do not think many people up there know a thing about this sport. I mean, you even have Blue Jackets media going out here saying, well, you know, if, if this were Sydney, if this were Boone Jenner that this happened to, there's no way that the call would that, that the call would stand or something like that. And it's just the same old tired Crosby gets all the calls narrative that people have hung on to for the last 13 years. I thought it would, people would forget about it during the pandemic. The Penguins haven't seen the Blue Jackets, you know, hardly in the last two years. But I guess, you know, they, they still remembered it, you know, coming out of the pandemic. And it's just a it's just the same tired BS excuse that you know, it's garbage. Um, Merz Lickens literally initiated the contact, the contact, excuse me. He's out of the blue paint and you're telling me that it's Sid's fault. I, I just, I don't see it. You know, Sid had, he couldn't even do anything there. I mean, because obviously because Elvis was way out of his net. I mean, if he were, you know, in his crease a little bit and then Sid ran into him, then it would have been goaltender interference. But because Elvis initiated the contact with Sid, that's why it was not goaltender interference. I know Columbus challenged it. I know Bob Airy said, oh, well, they should challenge. And then he said, oh, I don't understand why they challenged it. This is basically going to be a meme for the rest of time. 
Um, you know, that challenge basically lost them the game because had they not challenged it, they would have been five on five for the last couple of minutes. And it would have been a six on five situation at the end instead of just a five on five thing because, of course, the Penguins got a power play and they were able to just wipe the clock out um, overall there. So I, I, I'm happy with the call. I'm glad the NHL got it right. I'm not surprised that people up in Columbus don't understand the rules. You know, they've been rooting for a team that literally has had no success um, for the entirety um, for the entire time, excuse me, that the Blue Jackets have been there. They've won one playoff series in what, 20 plus years. You know, their their best player has basically been Rick Nash. And well, I know they've had Artemi Panarin come through, but he was never the captain. But, you know, outside of him, it, it, it's Nash. Um, it's just a total franchise. It's, just, it's a franchise that I guess you kind of forget about. Um, I thought it was also kind of embarrassing that the Penguins just took over that arena when the Blue Jackets are ninth place in the Eastern Conference right now. And, you know, I know Washington's not playing well, but, you know, the Jackets in that month, I believe, went eight and three, you know, I think. Um, they, they beat some pretty good teams along the way too. Washington, Florida. Um, I know they lost to Carolina, I think, once, but, you know, they, they, they beat a lot of pretty good heavyweights and they're going to be a thorn in a lot of these playoff uh, team sides, you know, down the stretch here. So this is, a, I think, a team that's better than they get credit for, but it's still kind of embarrassing that, you know, that your arena is basically 75 to 80, 80% Penguins fans when you're kind of still in a playoff chase. Just doesn't really make any sense to me. But um, those two things aside, I thought the Penguins were the better team in this game. You know, getting to my you know second biggest takeaway outside of those. Um, you know, they dominated in shot attempts. They dominated in scoring chances. They dominated in high danger scoring chances. Um, and if I can actually just get up the uh, underlying numbers here for from Natural Stat Trek, um, you know, it, it it was not even close. Um, at, at least in my opinion, the only reason why the Penguins were trailing going into the third and for most of the third as well was because of Elvis Merlikens. And you know, it looked like for the time being. Hopefully, my dog is not making any noise over there. It looked like for the time being that the Penguins were potentially going to get goal lead again. I know some people don't like to hear that term, but you know, Merzlikens was playing a really good game. Was making a lot of ten bell saves. I think uh, through two periods, the Penguins had nine high danger chances. He had saved basically all nine of them. The only puck that had gone in was just a floater from Chad Ruedel from the right side boards to get his second goal of the year. And I tweeted that at the time. It's funny that that's the puck that goes in and not, you know, 10,000 high danger chances that they got before then. But, you know, again, underlying numbers wise, the Penguins had 58% of the shot attempts, 55% of the scoring chances, 61% of the high danger chances, 55% of the expected goals. Um, This was a very good performance by Pittsburgh, Um, especially coming off a very emotional win against the New York Rangers on Saturday, what felt like a playoff game. We'll probably see that the Penguins will probably see that team nine, 10 more times, as I discussed with John check of locked on Rangers. Um, but you know, it was another win on Sunday that the Penguins needed. They had just snapped that three to four game losing streak. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people weren't liking the way they were playing and, you know, some bad habits were creeping in and all this stuff, but you know, it was good that they got these two wins. So the, the, you know, the team can shut those fans up at least for a little bit. And, you know, remember what I talked about last week, you know, on one of my episodes, you know, that losing streak is all going to be mute when the Penguins inevitably, inevitably, excuse me, start winning games again. And that's exactly what they did this weekend, because, you know, there are a lot of encouraging signs, excuse me, for this team. 
I know February was not that good of a, of a month, but out of the 10 games, the Penguins went six and three and one. I have the numbers right in front of me as I'm reading them to you all. In terms of shot attempts, the Penguins were fourth best in the NHL, 55% of the shot attempts at 5v5. For expected goals, they were eighth in the league at 54.9%. For five-on-five scoring chances for, they had 52.4% of those at 5v5 each game, ninth best in the league. <clears throat> and then for high danger scoring chance rate, they were 12th best in the NHL at 54%. This all comes courtesy um, of Adam Gretz's article from Pennsburg. Please go check out his work. And I'm also hopefully going to have him on the podcast here sooner rather than later. Um, they were also top 10 in expected goals against, uh, um, I'm just making sure I have this right. Yeah, expected goals against, scoring chances against, and high danger scoring chances against. The the biggest reason why I think they lost some games or they didn't look as good in some other games that they won <clears throat> was because of their very low but unsustainable shooting percentage. The Penguins shot 4.5% for the month of February. That is the worst mark in the NHL during that stretch. Is that going to continue? No, it is not. It is going to rebound. Heck, even Danny Shirey of DK Pittsburgh Sports said the Penguins' top-line shooting percentage was below 3%, basically, for this entire month. Yes, you, you heard me right. I mean, it's that, that's basically been the main reason why Jake Ensel is not scoring at a goal per game at this point. You know, Brian Russ has gone a little cold um, at times as well, even though, you know, he still had a point-per-game pace this year. So how cold can he really get, right? Um, but these are numbers that are going to turn around, especially the top-line shooting percentage and the overall team percentage as well. Like I said, it's really only a matter of time before that regresses to the mean. And that I think some of these people that are a little bit down on the team can be like, okay, you know, maybe they're not as bad as we thought, but this all goes to my point in saying this team is really good. They're a Stanley cup contender. They're maybe not up there with the top four, but the signs are there. The numbers are really good. The goaltending has been really good this year. You know, mostly Tristan Jari, but Casey DeSmith had a really great game. I'm going to get to him um, later on this episode. But, you know, this this team can do it. I really think that. And these two wins were badly needed going into a huge five-game stretch where, you know, the Penguins are going to be even test, tested even more. And I'll, and I'll talk about that later on this episode and later on this week as well when I preview um, some of those games. But coming up in the next segment, we're going to go into Casey DeSmith's play. We're going to also touch on um, the power play last night because that's just really heated up. Evgeny Malkin's goal. Um, and a whole lot more, um, of course, and especially Mark Friedman. I have to give my thoughts on him, too. But before we do that, you know, this is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They are marshmallow. They're not just a protein bar. They are a treat. And they are covered in 100% real chocolate. All Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, those are Puffs included. They're low-calorie, high-protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better than them as well. You know, you can go to Bilt.com, scroll down the macros chart. You will be blown away. Remember the best flavors, mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month for at least one more day, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. If you think a flavor might be good, they will make it. 
You can go to Bilk.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So getting into some players who I thought really stood out in that game against Columbus, Casey DeSmith. Um, just a really nice start from him. Um, he was tracking the puck really nicely, um, side to side. His movement was great. I didn't like the second goal. I know I might be being a bit picky with that, but I think in that situation, he made himself a little too small. You know, Roslovich doesn't really have the greatest angle. I know he's coming down the right side, I guess, a bit, but in that situation, you got to come out and be a little bit bigger. He made himself smaller. And then, you know, with Roslovich, he had more of the net to shoot at. And then he goes top cheese over, you know, uh, Dismet's glove. Um, you know, in that situation, if a goalie just makes himself small like that, that's a shot that I feel like, you know, a, a shooter will hit most of the time, to say the least. So I didn't like that. It's probably me being picky, but overall, he made some really big saves um, when the team needed him to. The other goal that he gave up, that was mainly Brian Jimlin's fault. I'm going to get to him a little later on in this show too. But, you know, ever since, you know, this game um, against Columbus, remember, this came about a month ago where he was pulled in favor of Christian Jari. That was when, you know, all of us were saying, you know, maybe the team has to go out and get a goalie. You know, I especially was saying it. But in his last five games since then, DeSmith has had a 1.99 goals against average and a 9.34 save percentage. He was named the number three star um, against Columbus. He's been a completely different goaltender. And, you know, I think that's why, you know, a lot of fans and media, you know, myself included, have now started the train of, I think maybe a top six winger should be, you know, the Penguins priority at the deadline. And maybe they don't have to go out and get a backup. Would it be nice? Sure. You know, I would love it. You know, I still probably don't trust De Smith as much as some others maybe do right now. But, you know, I can't deny that he has, you know, played himself. Well, you know, he's playing himself back into, you know, getting his job back full time. I know he didn't te technically lose it because they didn't, you know, make a trade. I know Louis Domingue got hurt as well. But, you know, Sullivan has given DeSmith the opportunity to win his trust back and he has done just that. He's he's looked much better. It sounds like in practice, you know, DeSmith talked about it last night to the media. He's been doing a lot of work um with goaltending coach Andy Kyoto. Just a really nice start and if he can continue to have starts like that, that's going to be huge down the stretch for getting rest for Tristan Jari. You know, again, I've said it many times, he's played, he's been one of the most worked goalies this year. I believe he's second still behind Andre Vasilevsky for the most starts in the NHL. That needs to change. You know, he can't be gas come playoff time. Again, if the Smith can keep these numbers going, um, it's only going to help um, both him and Jari um, with about a little less than 30 games left. So great job from Casey to Smith. I will take that kind of start every single time. Uh, Mark Friedman. I didn't really talk about him a lot with the Locked On crossover um, with John Chick of New York of the Locked On Rangers podcast, but he's been really stellar uh, since coming in for Mike Matheson. You know, had basically 90% of the expected goal share, <clears throat> excuse me, against the Rangers. Last night was also really good. If I can go down here and find the, um, the not the forward lines, the uh, shift report. Um, if I can find this here real quickly. Well, you know, I, don't, I probably don't even have to use that. Um, you know, obviously saved the goal. Um, probably Casey DeSmith probably owes him about 10 steak dinners 
for that. I and mean, if the Blue Jackets score there, the game's over. Um, the Penguins are probably not erasing that two-goal deficit. I know they were playing well, but you know, with how Elvis was going, um, I think the Penguins probably lose that game. But you know, he's doing all this on his offside, looks really solid defensively. What I've also noticed a lot from him, he's been jumping into the play a lot more than I remember him doing last year when Ron Hextall claimed him off waivers. <clears throat> excuse me, from the Flyers. And, you know, there's a couple, you know, multiple times I saw against Columbus where, you know, he was driving to the net even, coming, you know, within, you know, five to 10 feet, getting some of these high danger chances. And it's like, you know, you don't usually see a lot of the defensemen step up like that. But, you know, Friedman has, you know, done it upon himself to do it. And, you know, last night he was robbed of a sure goal um, by Gabrikov of Columbus. You know, you know, Friedman has the puck basically five feet from Elvis Merlikens and you know Gabrikov was able to get his stick in there right at the last second to send it out of play. If he doesn't do that, that is likely going top G's. So I've really liked how he's been jumping into the play more, being one of the more aggressive defensemen on that back end. And you know he's not killing them defensively. You know, at times his defensive play has you know lacked you know in some areas. But, you know, these these two games, I know it's a small sample size, but he's been pretty good. And again, this goes, uh, you know, for my opinion that they don't need to go out and get a defenseman at the deadline. I've seen people say, you know, go out and get John Klingberg, go out and get, get Jeff Petrie. And while those would be some upgrades, I'm not willing to pay that price. Go out and get the forward that they need, especially with Kasperi Kapanen continuing to struggle and a couple of other forwards that really have been producing. And then the team is fine. They don't need to go out and get a defenseman that has A, a lot of term, and B, just a massive captain. And I know Klingberg, I guess, would kind of be a rental you know, because his contract is up after this year, but he's still pretty expensive. You know, I don't think the Penguins have what the Stars would want anyway, but you know, the Penguins also have a lot of in-house options to replace a player like Mac Matheson, and Freeman has been playing a lot better than I thought he would. You know, I was someone that I wanted POJ to come in because I want to see what he's made of and how he's been doing since he played in Wilkes-Barre this year. But with how Freeman played these last two games, I am willing to keep giving him the benefit of the doubt and keep giving him shifts because he's played, looked really well next to Chad Ruido. And he just, he's looking like a very fine number seven defenseman <clears throat> to say the least um, power play wise. Um, you know, it, it's ridiculous how good this unit has been since the new year. They're basically top five in power five power play percentage. Um, you know, ever since of getting Malkin come back, I believe, you know, they're close to number two, number three in terms of efficiency. The puck movement uh, on the one that tied the game was just, it was just sexy. I mean, all these amazing passes, you know, Crosby to Russ to Gensel, right to Malkin who taps it in. And I mean, it's just, you know, Jay Foster, you know, of Locked on Blue Jackets. It, it was damning me last night. He's basically telling me, how do the Penguins not score at will? on this unit or, you know, how, how are they, how do they not score at all at times? And I'm like, well, you know, sometimes they're, you know, over aggressive, the zone entries aren't there, but he makes a great point when they have that much talent on the power play, it, it should be automatic. And last night with how good it was looking, you know, they were finally able to cash in. I should say, shout out to Mike Sullivan. What a timeout he called there. Happy birthday, by the way, 54 for Mike Sullivan. Um, called the timeout with, you know, about a minute remaining on that power play. He knew how important it was because he knew the team was losing, but, you know, he didn't want to sound out his um, second unit because, you know, chances are they probably wouldn't have scored. Wanted to give his top guys a rest and, you know, draw up a play. 
did exactly that. The Penguins were able to come back, get a nice zone entry, do those beautiful passes, look like the Harlem Globetrotters a little bit. And then Malkin's able to tie the game. And then that amazing picture, the overhead, with all the Blue Jackets players looking down a little bit. And then Malkin's just raising his stick with Gensel as well. Um, it's a really nice power play. And then, of course, Sid was able to end the game there with about two minutes left. So, again, you know, the power play has just been such a you know key component to the Penguins' success. It's really turned on as of late. Um, it's pretty crazy that they're doing this without Todd Reardon behind the bench, though it sounds like he is still giving them instructional videos um, from home. At least that's uh, according to Mike Sullivan and what I read from Josh Yoey in The Athletic. So um, great stuff there. You know, I love seeing the power play really help win games. And, you know, when they have passes like that and they're just making penalty killers look stupid, um, no, there's not much the opposition can do, um, to say the least. So um, coming up in my next segment, we're going to go – into some of the players that, that struggled last night, namely Brian Dumoulin. He was just um, a mess, to say the least. Um, but before I do that, football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance prompts to where the next fire coach is going to land, betterline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. Betterline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Betterline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. That has been online where the game starts. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Excuse me. All right, I had to mute myself there to cough a little bit. Anyways, oh, did forget to show, for those that are watching me on YouTube, I finally got my big Jeff Carter shirt from uh, Steel City Shirts. If you have not ordered one, uh, please do. It's very worth it. You know, it's only around really around twenty five to thirty bucks. You know, has it has that scores goals, crush beer. Um, just it's a beautiful shirt. My, you know, my Tristan Jari one comes on Wednesday. I can't wait for that um, as well. So if you haven't ordered, you know, one or both of those, I would definitely um, suggest that you do. Uh, anyways, getting back to. Uh, the episode topic for this segment, Brian Dumoulin, just an utter mess right now. And I really think it's mainly just his defensive work. That's the main issue. Um, both goals last night, I thought were mainly the result of him. I shouldn't say being lazy, but just not making the right play in the defensive zone. You know, the first one basically kind of does a half clear, but then is not taking away Bjorkstrand's you know, one timer and he's just late to get over there. And it's like, okay, I mean, if you just, if you're right there, you can just break that up and that's not a goal. I mean, there's really nothing Casey DeSmith can do on that. The second one, very lazy clearing attempt to a side of the ice where there were two to three blue jacket players. And I was just like, really? I mean, that's the kind of clear we're doing here. I mean, you couldn't just, you know, clear it up the middle or something or the other side of the ice. Um, you know, Roslovich was able to pick that puck off and then go top cheese on DeSmith. And I know I said earlier that, um, you know, DeSmith maybe could have had that, but it wouldn't have happened if Dumoulin would have just, you know, actually had a good clear there. Um, he has not been himself for the last few games now. Um, this is kind of a level that we saw at the beginning of the season before he started to turn it around. Um, if this doesn't pick back up for the rest of the season and going into next year, I'm probably not going to re-sign him. You know, this is the kind of player, you know, where he's at 
aging wise now he's right around 30 years old has a lot of mileage on those tires is bringing a lot of offense this is not a player that you probably want to commit a lot of term in years to just because again you know where he is age wise and all that doesn't bring a lot of offense but you know the penguins they, they do got to hope that he does turn this around because we have seen the high level of play <coughs> excuse me that he had earlier in the season but for whatever reason you know it's just it's gone away from that i don't know if he's battling an injury or doesn't have confidence or something like that but it's definitely it's not there right now um for Dumoulin. and and i i mean i got to hope that it comes back but you know he was the direct result of those two goals um that columbus scored and you know if that can continue if the penguins wants want to have Stanley Cup aspirations um he's usually a mainstay in Chris Tang's pairing he cleans up for Latang's mistakes at times, but if he's making his own mistakes, there's only so much Tanger can do. So really hoping that he can get back um, um, just to his usual self. Kasperi Kapan, I thought at times he had a couple of nice shifts. There were other times where it's like, well, you know, just reverting, you know, to the same old ways. Um, it's just, you know, it's, this is what we have with Kapan. Um, I think at this point, you know, I thought Sid was a monster on the ice um, doing what he does best tormenting the Blue Jackets and their fans. Jake Gensel had a couple really nice chances. Brian Rust, um, too. Um, just making sure I hit everything here before I call it an episode. I will say this. John Marino was actually not bad in that game against Columbus. I know he's had a pretty rough go of things as of late, but you know him with Pedersen, you know, that was actually a pretty decent game from that period. You know, they were a, a, an absolute nightmare uh, last Thursday against the Devils. We're better on Saturday against the Rangers, where I think Pedersen was just taking Panarin's lunch. Um, every time Panarin was coming into the zone, Pedersen was just stripping the puck from him. And I thought Marino was looking pretty good, too. And I thought that continued over into Sunday's game. You know, obviously, it's not a lot to write home about. But, you know, I'll still take it. baby steps, you know, as some people like to say. I also really like the chemistry with Denton Heinen and Evgeny Malkin. And speaking of, Gino, you know, outside of that power play goal, um, you know, we're now up to what 21 points in 19 games, um, almost a double digit goals. Um, for those that thought that he's going to mess up the structure or mess up the chemistry as some other weirdos like to say, um, just, you know, get out of here with that kind of take. Um, you know, he's basically all the way back at this point. There have been multiple times these last two games where I've noticed at least that, you know, he's been really galloping and, you know, he's taking the puck from, you know, forwards or defensemen left and right, knifing through guys left and right too. There was one right after he scored the goal against New York. Um, he knifed through, I want to say, two or three Rangers players. Shostorkin made a hell of a save um, after Malkin made the deke. But if Malkin scores that goal, I believe that came with about seven, eight minutes left in the third. Uh, Malkin scores that, the roof comes down from PBG Paints Arena. Um, it would have just been so loud. It probably would have been one of the best Malkin goals we've ever seen. Um, but this is vintage, you know, what we're watching right now. He's been one of the best players on the ice night in and night out lately. And you no, know, I'm just, I'm so happy that, you know, the two headed monster is fully back and, you know, they're, they're, they're full steam ahead right now to say the least, but you know, that's a big win for the Penguins overall four out of four points coming up though. And they, you know, I said they have to run the gauntlet. And this is going to be that on steroids. Carolina, Florida, Vegas, uh, Tampa Bay, and um, I think I forgot one team, of course, because I am a complete and utter 
idiot. Um, make sure here. Yeah. And Carolina again. So two times against Carolina. One against Florida, one against Tampa, one against Vegas. This week, the Penguins are off until Thursday. They'll get the Lightning down at MLA Arena. The Penguins and Lightning have split the first two games this year. Um, and then they will play Carolina on Friday. Um, not really sure what's going to happen with that goaltending situation. I got to think my gut's telling me that DeSmith will start Thursday, Jari Friday, because Sullivan may do the you know, divisional game for Jari because the Penguins are trying to chase down Carolina for the division lead. But if it's the opposite, I would not be surprised to say the least. But um, that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'll be back on Tuesday for another episode. I will say um, this month was just freaking awesome for the podcast. I have the numbers um, right up here, right around um, 17,000 downloads, a record um, for this podcast. It's you know a few thousand more um, than last month. I can't thank everyone enough for continuing to listen to this podcast and just, you know, come in here um, for all your painless coverage. I have the number, the full number, 17,583 um, with how this is obviously the last day of February. You know, it's probably going to be 18,000 by the time it's all said and done. Again, thank you all so much for listening to this podcast um, every single day, whether it's one episode or whether it's, you know, five days a week all year. I very much appreciate it. And, Again, I will be back on Tuesday. We're going to start previewing the games for later on in the week, and I will talk to you all then.